0: There's no other picture to show the tremendous love that you have for your children, that you have for each and every one of us, Lord Jesus. And it's my prayer, God, that we would just rest in your love. We would rest knowing, Lord, how much you love us, Father. That we would trust you, Lord, with all of our heart. That we would lean not to our understanding, but, Lord, acknowledge you in all of our ways. Lord, we know that you will make our path straight by that if we would just fully trust you and live our life in complete trust in a holy God. Lord, who started everything, who's in control of everything in the middle, and is at the end of everything watching it all manifest before his own eyes. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Jesus, for this time together. We pray, God, that you would use this time, Lord, in all of our lives, that we would be drawn close to you this morning. Lord, that the word would be elevated, Lord, that it would sink deep into our hearts. And it would help us, Lord, to get closer to you than we've ever been. Lord, change us all this morning, Lord. Don't let us leave here the same way we came. Lord, that's my prayer this morning. Lord, as you encourage us this morning by your written word, the God-breathed word, the word that brings eternal, everlasting life, And gives us direction for every footstep that we take. Lord, I thank you and I praise you for it all. For it's in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said what this morning? Please have a seat if you will. I want to tell you about a beautiful story. About a beautiful lady. Her name is Cinderella. Right? You can relate, right? But Cinderella was made to feel ugly. She lived with a wicked stepmother and two equally wicked sisters. We all are influenced by a wicked stepmother, the devil, who's got two wicked daughters, the world and the flesh. Cinderella was made to live as a slave. Now she was beautiful, but she didn't feel beautiful. She didn't think about herself as beautiful because she was being influenced by a wicked environment. That put her down, messed over her, and reduced her to nothing. The problem with Cinderella was that she was stuck there. She was locked in the situation. And for a long time she could not get out of it. But lo and behold, one night there was a ball. And through a series of miraculous interventions she was transported to the ball in a chariot. And there she met a prince. The prince saw Cinderella and loved her. But the problem in the story, as you know, is that the clock struck midnight. And when the clock hit midnight, she reverted back to her old ways. She became a slave again to an evil stepmother and an evil stepsisters. But the good news of the story is that the prince never forgot Cinderella. Oh, there were a whole lot of people at the ball. But there was something about Cinderella that made her different from the crowd. Everybody wanted the prince, but the prince wanted Cinderella. He spared no effort to find Cinderella. All he had to work with was a walking problem. (laughs) There was a shoe left behind. He needed to find the foot that fit this shoe. And when he found the foot that fit this shoe, he would have found Cinderella. The prince went from house to house trying the shoe on different women because he wanted to get to the person on whom the shoe fit. He finally came to Cinderella's house, put the shoe on her foot, and he had found her. He gave her a kiss, and you know how the story ends? It says they lived what? Wow. Happily ever after. Yes. I want to tell you this morning, I want you to put your seatbelts on this morning. A lot of us are living like Cinderella. Cinderella. We're living as slaves under the world of the flesh and the devil. Satan is holding us hostage. Maybe a few years ago you met the Prince of Peace and he saved you. But you have gone back to living at the midnight hour. With that devil and his two daughters, they have you trapped in slavery. But Jesus knows of where you are. And he knows how long you've been there when he comes knocking on your door with those slippers he'll let you know he wants to get you up and out of there he doesn't just want to bring his money to you his castle to you his chariot to you he wants you he wants to take you up out of there and let you go live with him he wants to remove you from those premises and give you a brand new place to live. He wants to show you your new position, your new glory, and your new hope. He wants to get you out of that slavery. He just doesn't want to buy you a new dress, buy you a new coat, buy you a new car. He wants to give you a new life. Suppose Cinderella had said, look, Prince, I like you, Prince. I want your money, I want your chariot, I want your castle, I want your title. But I don't want to commit myself to you. I'm sure the prince would have found somebody else. Because he wanted to find somebody whom he could love. And that would love him back. Not just somebody whom he could be used by. So today as we go into the Word of God, I titled... uh, My uh, message chained. In fact, I got got some chains up here. Mm. Hey, this is an illustration that works. (laughs) Amen. But you know what? Sometimes this is the way we as Christians live our lives. Chained. And you know what? Sometimes we're chained and we don't even know it you know that it's true many of us in this room know how to live lives forgiven i want you to hear me this morning if you know how to live lives that are free yes you're forgiven you get that you understand what jesus did for you on the cross he shed his blood to wash away your sin He actually shed his blood to make you free. But a lot, a lot of us revert back to the slavery. We're still enslaved. And some of us don't even know it. We're not free. I mean, we get the point of the cross and the blood, our sins that he bore on that cross for us. Amen. We get that, right? We understand that. So here's my question this morning. So why do we live like this Cinderella story I just read? In bondage to ourselves, chained to slavery of our mind and soul. I mean, we are really caught in a fairy tale and we just can't see it. It does happen to each and every one of us in this room. It happens to more of us than we think. And I want to explore how we can remain, listen, how we can remain chained in our forgiveness. I'm not all caught up here. We can be chained in our forgiveness in fact in john 10 10 the bible tells us what does the bible tell us the thief comes to what steal to kill and destroy but what does jesus say he i came to give life and what more abundant life and sometimes i think god will bring his children through the wilderness and we're going to be looking at the wilderness children of israel this morning he will bring you to hard times to get you to the place to depend on God entirely. Amen. In life many times this is necessary because as believers we end up operating listen, as believers we can operate in the spirit of slavery rather than in the spirit of sonship or daughters of Christ. Now you might want to write this down here. There is no inheritance ever for slaves, only for sons and daughters of Jesus. There there is no inheritance ever for slaves, only for sons and daughters of Jesus. Are you chained to your past? Are you chained to something? Are you enslaved to what you did in the past tense? Are you still there? Are you still chained to whatever that circumstance or situation might be? Maybe in the present tense, maybe you're chained. Maybe there's a sin that you are chained to this very day, this very hour, this very minute, this very second. Is there some today where you are in bondage or chained and you can't seem to break free of it? Something. Like the children of Israel, they were free to go. And possessed what? The promised land that flowed with what? Milk and honey. They were promised that. But yet they still wanted to get back to where? To Egypt. They would get up on hard times and they wanted to go back to Egypt. We're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. Remember the report back of the 12 spies? Remember the 12 spies went into the land and they had to come back to Moses to report it back? Only who? Joshua and Caleb had favorable reports. Those two were ready to conquer. Listen, the land in the name of the Lord. But what about the other tribes, those ten other tribes? I want you to see the people's response to the report back to Moses in Numbers. If you would open up Numbers chapter 14. We're going to be in Numbers and Exodus this morning. Numbers chapter 14. In Numbers chapter 14, we're going to start pick up in verse 3 and 4. Now the spies went, they checked out the land, they gathered back together to give the report back to Moses. They gave the report. And after the report was given, verse 3 it says, Why is the Lord bringing us into this land? To fall by the sword. Question. Our wives and our little ones will become plundered. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? Man, they've been wandering in the desert. How many years? Forty years. Forty years they've been in the desert. And God was leading them every step of the way. And here they are at the entrance of going into the promised land. The 12 spies are out. They come back. And listen, two of them have a great report. They're ready to go conquer the land. The other ten tribes, the majority... Didn't want to do it. In fact, they wanted to go back to their slavery in Egypt. So they said to one another, let us appoint a leader and return to Egypt. Listen, my friends, they were living. How were they living? They were living chained. They were living chained. Chained to their past. Chained, chained not trusting the Lord. Not trusting him at all. In fact, in the New Testament, Acts 7:39, listen to what it says. Our fathers were unwilling to be obedient to him, but repudiated him, and in their hearts turned back to Egypt. Do You ever do that? You ever turn in your heart back to Egypt? Yes. Back to where God delivered you from? They were enslaved to their own inadequacies. To their own inadequacies. Really, that's what, what ha- that's what happened. So let me ask you all a question. How many of you ever feel inadequate? Let me see your hands. Or have you ever felt inadequate? I should say that. Nobody. There's some people that, have that, that feel adequate, I guess. So anyway, but most of your hands went up. And I want you to think about this. How does that make you feel? Inadequate, right? Like you can't do a blessed thing, right? There's nothing that you can do that is right. There's nothing that seems to work right, right? That you're inadequate, right? Well, I want to tell you something. You're definitely not alone. You hear me? This pastor can tell you right now. Listen, there was a time before I became a pastor, before I was... Anything but saved. I knew the Lord is my Savior. I was singing music with a group. I was invited back to a reunion of my military friends. They wanted me to conduct a Memorial Day service uh, to remember our lost friends from the past, and I agreed to do that. And so I had to share a message. I didn't know what I was doing. I wasn't ordained. Nothing. Didn't know nothing, but I was ordained by God. I know I wrestled on Saturday night Man, they've been drinking Friday night. We got there. I had one of my friends who just lost his life recently come up and showed me and had a a pint of beer in his hand and said, Hey, I heard you're going to preach on Sunday morning. And I said, Yes, sir. you going to be there, Brother Rick? (laughs) He said, I'll be there. And I'm like, Man, what am I in for? Right. And so we went and got our whole group and we all checked into our little place. We were staying on the lake there in South Carolina, and then uh, on Saturday night, we spent the day Saturday having a good time with all of our friends and all the people I used to fly with, and then Saturday night, I went to bed. But I didn't go to bed very long. The Lord was dealing with my heart all night long. I was so restless, so nervous about this whole thing. Felt so inadequate. Boy, I felt inadequate. They're not going to listen to me. I mean, I'm the very guy that used to go party with the rest of them. They know me. They know what I was about. They knew everything that I had done when I was in the military serving alongside them. I went to every party, every beer run, whatever. I was right there with them. Shame to say. But see, Lord had radically changed my life in 87. And obviously they saw something, or they wouldn't have invited me to come to do a memorial service. Amen? I praise God for that. That has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with Jesus. And so I showed up, and I, when I showed up there, I, uh, that morning we got up, and Brother Eddie, he did our sound and everything. And So we took the trailer down there. It's a pavilion. big old pavilion was right there. And uh, when I went to the pavilion, there were beer cups, beer cans, and cigarette butts covering the floor. I had no place to set up our equipment or anything, so I had to go find a broom. So I'm looking for a broom, sweeping all that mess from the night before out of the way. We set up. I've been praying, praying, praying. It, started, it became time for uh, the service to start, and there was about 65 people there. And so I started talking about, uh, this was a, a, a military reunion, so I started talking about a military I talked about my family reunion. I talked about my family and how the horns would get together and how prayer had changed my life. My grandfather praying for me name by name by name. Every name of his family members he would pray by name including mine. And at this reunion he pointed at me and said the reason that my grandson wasn't on an airplane that hit the mountains in Tennessee, which was what I needed to say to this crowd because I had the mom and the son of of the gentleman that took my place on the crew was sitting right in front of me. And how my granddad said every night he prayed for me by name. And it kept me off that airplane and gave me an opportunity to be saved where I could do what I'm doing today. I thank the Lord for that. We serve a God who gives so many opportunities for us. We just need to listen to him today and not put it off. And so I shared that and then I shared about the reunion that we're going to have in heaven one day. As believers in Jesus Christ, just believers, not unbelievers, but believers in the marriage supper of the Lamb. Then at the end, I didn't know what else to do, but offered an invitation for people to be saved. And when I did, I didn't know what to do. I just remember what my pastor in North Carolina did. I did the same thing he did. And I shared the gospel with him. I asked them if they had to pray to receive Christ as their Savior. They prayed. I said, if you prayed to receive Christ as your Savior, I asked them. I said, to lift your hands up. And to my shock, and it shouldn't have been shock, it was like a sea of hands going up all through the bivy. And I was praising God. I was just pray. Lord. I said, and at the same time praising God, I said, okay, Lord, what do I do next? <laughs> so I had them all come forward. I had them all come up in a big huddle. And I told them, I said, listen. I said, you've given your life to Jesus Christ right now. I want to encourage you to go back wherever you look. They were from all over. Find a Bible believing church. Go into that church and tell the pastor that you just got saved down here and that you want to be baptized. And then I prayed with them. Man, tears were flooding the place. It was amazing. Amen. I was amazed that guys that I used to run a party with that gave their life to Christ. And so when it was all over, said, and done. I just had to go off by myself and thank Jesus for it. Because there's an aspect of me where I was perplexed a little bit because I felt so inadequate. And so as I was praying and walking and I was praying, I was thanking Jesus for what he had done. I said, God, I felt so inadequate. Been there? Right? I felt so inadequate. You know what Jesus told me? He says, big boy, you are inadequate. He said, he said, I wanted you to know that it was me doing it and not you. And you know, and so, and so when I live my life as your pastor, know that I'm very inadequate. I think I told David White the other day, he sent me a little prayer and a message thing, and I appreciate that so much. I said, you have a needy pastor. I need your prayers. We're all needy. We need the Lord every single day. We need to trust in Him. Every soul in this place is inadequate. And I don't want you to feel bad about it. Inadequacy is not a bad thing as long as you don't live in it. When you live in it, it can be a bad thing. Because it will keep you from doing what God would want you to do. But when you surrender to the Lordship of Christ, there ain't nothing that you can't do that He wants you to do. And that's the truth. I'm a living witness of that standing here today. That's kind of my story, you know. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> it is. Listen to this. If you are a believer and you feel that you are inadequate, you are what? If you feel you're inadequate, guess what? You're in chains. But here's the thing. If you know that you're inadequate and you turn to Jesus and allow Jesus to be your adequacy in your life, to help you through, guess what? You're not changed. You're not changed. There's a difference between, listen, feeling inadequate and knowing that you're inadequate and you know the person who can help you not feel that way. We're all inadequate in this room. Not one of us can do anything apart from Jesus. Not one of us. Nobody here. I don't care how smart you are or how not so smart you are. It doesn't matter. We're all, listen, God wants to use you and me for whatever his purpose is in our life. And it's important for us to understand that. There's a difference in knowing and feeling. In fact, in Leviticus 26, verse 13, Listen to what the Lord says. He says, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt so that you would not be their slaves. God doesn't want us to be slaves in that sense, to be slaves of other people. bond servants of the Lord, amen. But not slaves to other people and other religions and faith, whatever is out there. He wants you to be a slave to Jesus. King Jesus. He says, Slaves, he says, I broke the bars of your yoke and made you walk erect upright. That's what he does for you and for me. He breaks the chains. Do you see that this morning? Some of you sitting here today have already gone back to Egypt on things in your life. Listen, you choose to live in that bondage. Some of you have gotten comfortable living in that bondage too, I might add. Settled for the chains that bind you, no longer useful for God's eternal purposes. It's true. I know there are needs here, and some of you are so chained you're not even willing to step up and help. Listen, you're so comfortable in your condition, you don't even want the great things, the blessings that God has planned for you, and I'm going to tell you why. Listen, you could be a leader or even a follower, but you're neither. Let me tell you why. You ready? Here are three lies to slavery. Here are three lies that slaves believe. The three lies that slaves believe. Number one, write it down. I'll never have enough. That's the first one. I'll never have enough. Listen, of anything. I'll never have enough. I want us to look at the children of Israel. Turn to Numbers. Turn to the book of Numbers. Chapter 13. Maybe we can learn something from the Israelites. Amen? Like what not to do. Amen? That's why they're there. So we can learn. Numbers 13. Verses 28 through 33. Here are the twelve spies. Listen, they check out the promised land. Hear me? They're, They're told to go into the promised land. It's the promised land. Promised by who? Promised by God. But it's the promised land. And they're told to go check it out. And the report is. They come back and they give this report to Moses. Verse 28. Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified, and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Uh, Amalek is living in the land of the Negev, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites are living in the hill country, and the Canaanites are living by the sea, and by the side of the Jordan. And then verse 30, I love. And then Caleb quieted the people down before Moses and said, we should by all means go up and take possession of it for we will surely overcome it. (coughs) What a precious statement. But to the rest of them, uh uh-uh, it wasn't. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are too strong for us. So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report And the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone is spying it out, is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great size. There are also, we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak are part of the Nephilim. And we became, listen to this, like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. So when you look at this, you see Caleb and also Joshua, the only two, listen, the only two unchained individuals, Caleb and Joshua. They're unchained, who will move forward to accomplish God's perfect will in obedience to his direction for the nation of Israel. See, Joshua and Caleb had enough. Because they knew they had God. And it makes me, it it boggles my mind why the rest of them don't have enough. But they're enslaved. They're chained. The children of Israel on another occasion had an opportunity to believe God in the midst of their wandering in the wilderness, right? Remember, Remember, God was with them in the wilderness, right? Fire at night, cloud by day. When he moved, they moved. When he stopped, they stopped. When he, when he stopped, they set up camp. When he moved, they had to tear up the camp. Move along with him. Going in circles for 40 years. Hoping that his children would get it. And then they get here. And look what happens. But while they are, while they are uh, wandering, this is what happens to them. They grumble. Why? Because they were hungry. And the Lord heard them. (laughs) Here they are, chained, they're enslaved. He made provision for their grumblings. Turn to Exodus chapter 16. Turn to Exodus chapter 16. Exodus chapter 16. Look at verse 4 through 7. So God hears their grumbling. And so he wants to answer he wants to make provision for them. And so here he does it. Then the Lord said to Moses, in verse 4, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, and uh, that I may test them whether or not they will walk in my instruction. And on the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses, and that was so they didn't gather on the Sabbath. They had enough. And so it says, So Moses and Aaron said to all the sons of Israel at evening, You will know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt, and in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, for he hears your grumblings against the Lord. And what are we that you will grumble against us? Many Moses, why are you grumbling to us? It's the Lord that brought us out here, and you're grumbling against the Lord. So here is God after all the miracles that the children of Israel have seen leaving Egypt. And they witnessed the protection of God provided them. Yet they were still, listen, they were still chained and enslaved out there in the desert. And they're free from the bondage of Pharaoh. Sometimes I say people, we can be chained just like they are. Look what happened. Look at at verse 16 of Exodus 16. Skip down to 16. It says, This is what the Lord has commanded. He said, Gather of it every man as much as he should eat. You shall take an omer, piece of pieces, which is about two and a half quarts. All right? You should take a piece according to the number of persons each of you has in his tent. Verse 17, The sons of Israel did so, and some gathered much and some little. When they measured it, With an omer, he who had gathered much had no access, had no excess. And he who gathered little had no lack. Every man gathered as much as he should eat. Moses then said to them, he said, let no man leave any of it until morning. But they did not listen to Moses. And some left part of it until morning. And guess what happened? And it bred worms and became foul. And Moses was angry with them because they would not listen to the directions. See, these people, you can see, they never have enough. They never have enough. They're trying to save it, and, they, and they're and they not. Listen, God only promises for each day that we have. And so we worry about so much in the future. And listen, well, Jesus might come back today. He might come back tomorrow. doesn't mean that we shouldn't plan accordingly. Yes, we should plan accordingly. We plan for uh, uh, looking forward to the future of Hills Church and and we plan a quarreling for that. But listen, but the Lord tells us not to be anxious about it as each day comes. So why did they disobey? Because they were still slaves. They were still chained. Still chained. Still in bondage. Slaves to themselves and the devil. Why does our daddy give us so generously? Why? He gives to us so generously, so why? So we can give it away. That's what he does. We must not ever fear. We must be brave to go through the storms of life and face it. When you have storms in your life, you need to face it. Don't be afraid. Don't retract. Don't go back. Face the storms in your life. Freedom is learning to be brave no matter what. Trusting God in His Word. We must trust God in His Word no matter what we see. Listen, folks, when you have God, guess what? You have enough. When you have God, you have everything. In fact, you and God make a majority. You hear that? When you have God, you have everything. We get anxious in fear, we find ourselves chained to our fears, and then we're frozen. We can't be moved. The frozen chosen, right? We're, we're, we're froze. The Word, though, teaches us opposite of this condition. Turn to Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew chapter 6, very familiar verses of Scripture. Starting in verse 31, Matthew 6, 31. Look what Jesus says. Do not worry, then, saying, what will we eat? (laughs) Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your Heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. He knows everything that we need. And He wants to provide for them. He knows everything. So what does God tell us to do? He says to seek Him first in everything. Seek his kingdom. Seek his righteousness. And all these these things, he said, will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen? That's so true. So they never had enough. That was number one. They never had enough. You never have enough? Does it seem like you never have enough? Why is this happening to me, Lord? Number two, here's the second one. I'll never be enough. I'll never be enough. Listen, we can all say that in our lives, right? I can never be enough. If you remember Numbers 13, listen, about the Nephilim. Remember the Nephilim? There also we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, part of the Nephilim, and we became like what? Grasshoppers. Say grasshopper. Right? Grasshoppers. We became like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Look at their identity. They have an identity problem. Was always identifying with themselves. They're always identifying with themselves, but they're never identifying with what? A holy God. That's huge. They were the chosen people of God. Amen? Amen. Listen, they looked inward rather than outward and upward. They kept looking inward for what I want, what I need. We are, we are all not enough and we feel like we have to perform to be accepted and to be loved. And that's what happens to us. We don't feel like he's enough. And so we try to perform to get that acceptance to be loved by other people. I am want to tell you something. That's a lie from the devil. You don't need to perform to get accepted. God loves you just the way you are. And if you're not in a bad, and if you're not in a good way, he won't leave you in that way either because he loves you too much to leave you like that. He'll bring you out. I'll give you another example from my own story. From growing up. I was raised I want to tell you something. I was raised with no real positive influence in my life. I was told by my parents, one of them, a mom, that I would never amount to anything. You ever told your kids that? I no. not My mother told me and she hated me at times. In her anger, I know it was in her anger. She told all of us kids that at times. I love my mom. I pray she's in glory with the Lord. Led her to the Lord two days before she passed. Every time my mom in her anger, I wish you were never born. Listen, I grew up because I grew up and because of all of that, I was very timid. I had a speech impediment growing up. I stuttered horribly. I couldn't talk. Teachers would call me up front in class to read a history book. If the first first word was a the, I couldn't say it. I couldn't get it, I couldn't, it wouldn't come out. It's amazing what God does. So I was was withdrawn in myself. I never understood that. Never heard I love you from my mom, my dad. Not until much later in life, before they passed. I finally heard the words, I love you. I know they loved us. I know she loved us. She did provide for us. We had food and clothes and shelter and all that stuff. So I'm not saying my mom didn't love. She just had a hard way of not being able to say it or show it. See, I felt so isolated and not wanted in my life that I would perform just to get my own approval. In fact, sometimes I've got to be careful of that even to this very day. You know, I didn't get saved until I was 27. I had 27 years of that being being hardened in my heart and my mind and my body. Like some of you. Some of you, I don't know when you all got saved. Some of you, if you got saved as a young person, I say, hallelujah, praise the Lord. But some of you have been through a hard time in your life. Maybe you had parents like I had. Maybe you had a hard time. Maybe you didn't get saved till you were 30, 40, 50, 60 years old. I mean, think about it. That's 30, 40, 50, 60 years of being a devil. Right? There's a lot of stuff that's got to get purged out of your life. That Jesus needs to purge you. God has brought me a very long way. I don't deserve it. But my love for my Savior is unwavering. I wouldn't trade nothing for the journey I'm on now. Nothing. It keeps me going, even when it doesn't feel good. And sometimes it doesn't. Listen, the devil will whisper every little thing in your ear. Listen, to enslave you, to get you chained. He will tell you everything, why you can't do this and you can't do that. Look at your past. He will will say everything he can to keep you from being effective in God's kingdom. Using the skills that God gave you to use. He'll whisper, you'll never be enough. You'll never have enough. In fact, listen, we saw this in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, verses 4 and 9. Adam and Eve are tempted in the garden. Think about this for a minute. The serpent said to the woman... You surely will not die, hearing. For God knows that in the day that you eat from your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and the tree was very desirable to make one wise, she took from his fruit and ate and she gave also to her husband with her and he ate. And then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. God among the trees of the gardens. And then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? Adam, where are you? Listen, we become afraid, and we hide from God. Or we think we're hiding from God. You can't hide from God. Right? You can't hide from God. Adam and Eve couldn't hide from God. Doesn't that make you think, well, why did God ask him, where are you? You ever think about that? Why would he say that then? He's God. Listen, he wanted them to confess. He wanted them to come clean. It's just like the woman with the issue of blood. Remember her? Remember when she went underneath all those people's feet and she tried to grab him in the garment? What did Jesus say? Who touched, who touched me? You think Jesus knew who touched him? Yes. He's God, right? He knew exactly who touched him. What was he trying to do? He was trying to get her to come clean. Powerful. God will touch your life as well. You see, God loves us in spite of us. We try to do more to earn love and acceptance, but performance is never love. It's not love. God meets every one of us. Think about this. In our realities, not in the illusions. He loves you and me in our realities, not in the illusions. God graduates us in our obedience and genuine love for him. Listen, God didn't make us to be puppets. He doesn't dangle us on. Okay, come on, do this, do that. He doesn't do that. We're not puppets. He loves us. He moves us outward and upward, all the way home. If we will just allow Him, trust Him, believe Him, love Him, so we never have enough. That's a lie. We'll never be enough. That's another lie. Here's the third lie. I'll never do enough. I'll never do enough. Listen, I would always need validation. The way I grew up. I would always need validation. You know, I would do things, do things, trying to get validation, trying to get somebody to to notice me, trying to get somebody to say, oh, you're good, Brother Phil, you're good, you're good, or whatever. Validation. Validation. Somebody always had to approve of me. I used to worry about my reputation even as a follower, but I had to learn to allow God to worry about my reputation. And when you let God worry about your reputation, miracles happen. When you give your life to God, no matter what you've done in your past, no matter what you've done, when you give your life and you're truly trusting, fully trusting in a Savior, you let Him worry about your reputation. Not any man or woman or whoever. We've got to let Jesus be Jesus. His power is made perfect in your life and mine, if we allow it. All the time, brother. You're so right. Hmm. I would see my worth in what I did, did not in who he was in me. That's what I would see my worth in what I did, not in who he was in me, by trying to get validated. I had to prove my worth. I want us to look at Israel again. Turn back to Exodus 32. Exodus 30. This time, Moses is meeting, listen, with God on the mountain. And he left all the people below in Aaron's charge. All right? Now you get the idea where we're going to. Exodus 32. I'll never do enough. Exodus 32, verses 1, it says, Now when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, now listen to this closely, the people assembled about who? Aaron, his brother. And said to him, Come make us a God who will go before us, as for this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt. We do not know what has become of him. And look what Aaron did. He bought right into it, hook, line, and sinker. Aaron said to them, Tear off your gold rings, which are on your ears, and your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. And then all the people tore off the gold rings within their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he took this from, from their hand and fashioned it, engraving tool, and made it into a molten calf. And they said, This is your God, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. How foolish. How foolish. Aaron listened to the people. He felt the pressure and had to prove his worth and walked away from what he was supposed to do that God and Moses told him to do. Moses leaves him in charge and to save face with the people, he turns his back away from God. Now look at verses in Exodus 32. Look at verses 8 through 10. Verse 8 there's Moses and God. They have quickly turned aside. God says, they have quickly turned aside from the way which I commanded them. They have made for themselves a molten calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed to it and said, This is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people. And behold, they are an obstinate, stubborn people, right? Now then, let me alone. Listen to what God says. Look what God says. Let me alone that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them and I will make of you a great nation. Of course, we know what Moses did. He pleaded on their behalf. If we are affected by criticism, like Aaron, then we are in a spirit of slavery. I had somebody tell me once, When you're criticized, and listen, this is a good lesson. You need to write this down. When you're criticized, don't take it personal. But take it serious. When you're criticized, take it serious. Don't take it personal. A lot of times people don't mean it to be personal. People will tell you things that you're doing wrong, and we how many of us put it wear our sleeves on our shoulders? How many? Come on. Amen. It's easy to do that, right? It's so easy to do that. Criticism, if it's done right, is a good thing. That's right. How you receive it is, is how you receive it. Listen, who's in charge of you? God. <laughs> it doesn't matter what anybody else says. But listen, so don't take it personal, but take it serious. Listen. Step back. Ask, do I have to? Let me think about this for a minute. Abide, be faithful, and obedient no matter what. Don't be chained to the past, don't be chained to outside influencers. Don't be chained to that. Let those chains be broken. By the one who breaks every chain. Who breaks the chains? Who's the chain breaker? That's a song, And he breaks every chain. But you've got to let him break the chain. Come on, man. If the shoe fits, wear it. Walk with it. Be co-laborers with the Prince of Peace, the King of all kings, the Lord of lords. For who? Listen, you belong to him. Listen, you can do all things, right? By what? By Christ. By Christ who does what? Strengthens us. All of us. He will strengthen you. Jesus will strengthen you in everything by his mighty power. God loves you and doesn't want you to leave you where you are ever. He's got you. I used to tell my kids, I used to tell my students, I said, listen, Jesus saves you, just like a car. Let me explain. You buy a car, have you bought a car? Have you a car? Right? <laughs> Who's responsible to maintain that car? Me. You are. Listen, First Corinthians six nineteen. Jesus bought you with a price. Amen. Amen. Who's responsible to maintain the car? Maintain you. Jesus. He always has a way to bring you back. He won't let you get off track too far. We're talking about true salvation. God loves you, doesn't want to leave you where you are. His love is everlasting and most powerful, omnipotent. He overrides everything, amen? Jesus says, listen, he is proud of you. And he says that you are mine. That's what Jesus says. He says, you are mine. Quit listening to everybody. You're mine. You trust in me and my salvation. You trust in me for everything you trust in my word. You are mine. You are mine. And once you're mine, you're always mine. <laughs> Amen. Once you're a son, you're always a son. Once you're a daughter, you're always a daughter. He will never turn his back on you. And he will love you no differently. He loves you. Listen, the strongest motivation of your little life must be love. You must love. Realize how much God loves you. In fact, you can read 1 Corinthians 13 that talks all about love. The source of all joy must come from inside. When you tap into the resources of God's love. You must. Love enables us to wait for God's timing. Amen? People's circumstances. Whatever, love enables us to be kind no matter what we face in life, what someone says or does. Listen, love is not jealous. We will share him without fear. Love gives us poise. He alone satisfies us. We need nothing external to satisfy our every need. Amen. We have, listen, we have the spirit of sonship, not of slavery, when you're a child of the king. There is no inheritance ever for slaves. Amen, Only for sons and daughters of Jesus. Are you a true son and daughter of Jesus this morning? Does love matter? God is love. Of course it matters because he is love. He's the epitome of love. He's the definition of He is love. He loves you too much to leave you where you're enslaved. There's a little thing I read this morning. I want to share this in closing. Did you ever notice that God actually celebrates forgiving us? He removes our sin completely, not based on our merit, but for the joy of being reconciled to us. For his joy to be reconciled to you and me. And he no longer holds our sins against us, but welcomes us into a deeper relationship with him. He forgives sin because it's his nature to do so. The goal is not just giving us salvation, but giving us himself. He gives us himself. Everywhere you go, you take him with you. Everywhere. Beautiful. Just how amazing is his grace. Just how amazing is our God. Isaiah 40-25 says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. You hear that? For my own sake. And remembers your sins. So listen, if you're enslaved by things, if something's keeping you back, you have going back to Egypt, and you're enslaved in bondage. It's time for you to get rid of that and live for Jesus. Quit saying I can't. Quit saying that. Listen, we, just, we heard it all right here, right? We heard everything. Are you going to trust Jesus? Are you going to trust him this morning? Are you going to trust him for the rest of your life? Oh, your head bowed and eye close. You see, trust is a must. We've got to trust the Lord. Some of you here may not be saved. It's time for you to trust Jesus for your salvation. Because you're going down a road that Jesus can't even help you in the road you're going down. Oh, his grace may be on you to keep you given an opportunity to be in this church to hear the gospel. I call that grace. <laughs> but you need to answer his call. If you're not saved, you need to receive Jesus as your Savior so you can be eternally with him and have a relationship with Jesus. It's all about relation. He wants a relationship with you. That's wonderful and beautiful Well, you don't have to be a slave. And you'll be able to, listen, accomplish much because he's going to accomplish much through your life as you surrender to his will. Is that you this morning? You've never trusted. There's never been a day in your past where you asked Jesus to come into your little life. If you've never had that in your past, it's time today to ask him to come into your little life. (laughs) Believe me, all of our lives are very little (laughs) compared to eternal God. Yet He loves you just the same. And He wants you to accept Him as Savior today. Ask Him right now. Say, Jesus, come into my life right now. Lord, I don't understand it all. But I believe you died on a cross for me and shed your blood for me. Change me, Jesus. Come into my heart. Wash me. white as snow. Make me brand new. And Lord, help me to turn away from my sinfulness my wickedness my sickness help me to turn around from it and chase you Jesus with my eyes focused on you for the rest of my life I trust you today as my Savior and I trust you as my Lord I thank you Jesus for saving me if you pray to receive Christ as Savior listen I want to know about it And I'm not going to point you out publicly right here. So I want you to come and talk to me. So I can tell you and lead you what you need to do next. I pray that you ask him to come into your heart and life. Christians, are you enslaved? Are you forgiven, but you're not free? (laughs) Go ahead, get rid of it right now. You know how to do it. i don't have to lead you to do that. Ask him right now. Say, Jesus, Unslave me. (laughs) Take the chains off, whatever it is, and name it to him, specific. Whatever that is that he's got you, that you are in bondage to, the devil's a liar. And he wants to keep you from being effective in working in God's great kingdom and economy. Oh, so many people hold back because they feel guilty. I'm guilty. God can't forgive me. God has already forgiven Allow him to use you and be blessed. Be blessed because you would be able to be useful to somebody else and help them. Thank you, Jesus, for our time together this morning. I pray that everybody's made business with the Lord this morning. We thank you, Jesus, for all that you do in through our life. Now use this, Lord, every day for your eternal glory. We no longer belong to ourselves. We belong to you, Jesus. You bought and paid the price for our very life. And our life no longer belongs to us, but belongs to you entirely, all of it. Tax, title, and license belongs to you, Jesus. I give it to you this morning. In Jesus' precious name. And all God's children said this morning, amen. amen. Have a-